Welcome to Creative Compass, the podcast, a community that helps caregivers navigate their creative child's social, emotional, and educational support needs. We speak this week to Rachel Mondesier, who shares her thoughts, experiences, and stories on child advocacy in a two-part conversation. Enjoy. Hey everyone, thank you for joining us here on another episode of Creative Compass. Um, I am here with Rachel Mondesier. Hello. Um, And Rachel, you know, why don't you go ahead, I I did a quick intro for you for our audience, um, but why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and what you do in our communities? Okay. Um, Hello everyone. Um, Like you've already heard, my name is Rachel Mondesier. Um, I... Am a, I like to consider myself a public administrator professional. Um, the bulk of my work has been in the public sector. Um, I got my start with higher education working at Florida Atlantic University, and at which time I was working on my master's. And after that, I was able to join a local nonprofit that is um, focused on early childhood education, advocacy, and just really empowering parents and families in a community with how we can best assist our children in their early childhood education and forward. Okay, thank you, Rachel. So before we kind of dive in um, to talk about a little bit about some of the organizations and things that you see, um, can you tell us kind of what keeps you inspired to stay in your role? Because I think we all know that the public nonprofit sector isn't very profitable all the time, especially for those who work (laughs) countless hours. So what what keeps you inspired? So I think for me, it's really being part of a mission that I believe in and being and then being able to see um, the, the cool thing with working in education, whether it's higher education or early childhood education, is that every year you have a new set of children. So every year you're able to kind of see um, a new set of families and children and how you can really impact them. And time after time, we have families, we have you know, child care providers, we have all kinds of people who are constantly like thanking us for just really kind of helping them and giving them the resources. And, um, and then we, you know, the children are our future, not to sound cliche, but as time moves forward, we see how investing in our children is beneficial to the entire society. And I would, I, I couldn't see myself being in any other position than working with children to give them a brighter future and to kind of put us in a place of better preparedness Mm -hmm. for what's going to come, you know, in the future. I think on behalf of myself and uh, other parents who I know are (laughs) out there clapping their hands, you should be clapping if you're not. Thank you. Because um, a lot of us get very overwhelmed Mm -hmm. um, by, I think, the system, Mm -hmm. whether we are in sunny South Florida um, or we're on the other side of the country right. in California. It, it's very frustrating, especially with our creatives. Like I call mm-hmm. our kids creatives because their minds work a little mm-hmm. bit different, right? Yes, they do. Um, and I think that mm-hmm. sometimes when you're not considered mainstream, mm-hmm. it just it makes their journey a little bit different. Um, and they've got to figure out and navigate using their own compass. So. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's definitely the case. So what are some major organizations or types of organizations, like some parents, um, when they're looking for assistance and just starting point, let's say, you know, I've got a a toddler, pre-toddler, right? Mm -hmm. And I've got some concerns and are there organizations out there that can help us? Sure. Absolutely. If your child is already enrolled in a 
you know, a lot of people call them daycares, but like a childcare site, whether it's a family childcare home or a, um, a childcare center, um, all the majority of providers in, I believe all three or even across the state of Florida participate in um, ages and stages questionnaires. And it's a screening that we give to parents and providers can assist parents with it as well. And it's just um, some simple questions that a parent is asked to determine whether how a child is scoring um, on across the standard. And ideally, um, let's say that, you know, like there's a rubric and so forth. Let's say that a child scores below or there's an indication of something being um, atypical, then this isn't like a definitive, okay, something Mm -hmm. is wrong. It's an opportunity for us at at an early stage to identify what other resources can we provide this family to support this child to be in a place of preparedness for kindergarten, for, you know, elementary school, middle school, high school, and and onward. Um, Palm Beach County has so many different resources. Um, The county does the Birth to 22, which focuses on different milestones that anyone from birth to 22 Mm -hmm. would have to meet. Um, Not really meet, but would have to, that would impact them. Okay. So really once a family has kind of taken that first step, whether it's a parent who, you know, notices that maybe, you know, gross development and fine development isn't where it should be, maybe language isn't where it should be, then this gives you an opportunity to start asking questions, to advocate for your child. Mm -hmm. And above all, I would say whether you are a teacher, whether you're a parent, whether you are a neighbor, advocacy, sometimes we kind of leave it up to like, Uh, Tallahassee and and legislation to do that for us. But the reality of it is advocacy is a, it is a all the time um, focused on that child's best interest. And um, that it's a matter of asking questions. It's a matter of getting clarity from some of these questions and um, really finding solutions for problems that we may identify or problems we may we may see okay so and we need, i'm going to go back a little mm-hmm. bit so that ages to stages mm-hmm. is so that form is that something i like i, I would like ask my doctor because I'm, I'm trying to figure is that the form that they give us when we go in this is what you should be seeing at um, age you so know six months and 24 months <laughs> so i do believe the doctor's offices also um can help you complete one mm-hmm. i know that a lot of our child care sites um, they must complete it okay. and it's given, um, every six months. So at least twice a year, a child who is in a child care, um, setting has an opportunity to be screened. And we always say screenings are not, it's not a test. It's not the end all, you know, it is, it is really just a snapshot of what's going on at this point of this child's life on this day at this time. Um, so like, let's say you get screened by a child care provider, mm-hmm. it's identified as a concern that, con- that screening is sent to a partner agency, HomeSafe mm-hmm. and HomeSafe is able to do subsequent screenings, assessments, and, and, and to start to give that family resources on how we can get that child, uh, up to a place of the standard or, 
you know, or, or to continue screenings to see, is this something that we need to now provide additional um, attention and resources to? Okay. See, I, and it's funny because you say that because my with my son, um, it was actually a child care provider mm-hmm. who brought their concerns mm-hmm. um, and we had done some initial testing. We thought, hey, everything's fine. We're not going to worry about it. And the director there said, no, you need to. Mm-hmm. And um, they brought in those, some of those partner agencies right. like HomeSafe. So that's, I think, something that parents may not be aware of, mm-hmm. that it's even out there. So um, we'll definitely see if we can put up on the website and then on the different social media pages um, examples of ages to stages. I'll look for some. Right, absolutely. You can find it online as well. And, okay. Um, and I, I think the other side of it, too, is... Um, I'm not a parent, Mm -hmm. so for me, it wasn't until I kind of came into this work that a lot of this became known to me, and it's still very very much a learning process for me. I'm constantly learning about new organizations, new studies, new initiatives that are taking place, and, you know, what works for one child doesn't work for another child. We talk about, you know, them being creatives, and it really is just finding an organization that is... Um, well-versed mm-hmm. in, in what it is that concern has identified and really finding practitioners that you trust. And, and this is across the board, you know, yeah. not even just with education. When you are with professionals that you trust and you know that they are believing in your child and your family, that entire process, the burden of it is significantly reduced. You know, and I think that might be a good segue into talking about advocacy, mm-hmm. right? Because what does that mean? Because I always thought, like, I might have to be my child's advocate, and that means, like, standing up for them. But sometimes you're trying to stand up for them, but you don't really know how to stand up for them. And, I mean, it could be culturally. Right. Um, it could just be a personal mm-hmm. um, preference. People don't like to share. Like, right. No, absolutely. You know, our chi- our, everyone's child is perfect, yes. right? You know, they take perfect pictures. They've mm-hmm. got perfect grades. Mm-hmm. They, they're they on top of things. They're the best sports player. They're right. the best actress. Kick that ball. Actor. Look yeah. at my baby kicking that ball. Exactly. Right? <laughs> yes. And no parents wants to say, my child is quote unquote less mm-hmm. than by mainstream right. definitions. Um so what are the types of advocates? Who are the other who are other people or resources mm-hmm. or community partners, like mm-hmm. I like to call them, that could help us be advocates for our children? Or maybe they already are, we don't know right. about it. And I, I would honestly, the term advocate, it's, it sounds um, heavy and like, ooh, I'm mm-hmm. an advocate, you know? Mm-hmm. But advocacy for me has always been, first and foremost, at the personal level. I remember um, every time I get an opportunity, I share this story, and my mm-hmm. mom is like, okay, Rachel, thank you. <laughs> but um, <laughs> it, was, it was the sixth grade, and my science teacher, we... Um, was in New York and school started, I'd say probably September. And within a month, we had gotten maybe a quiz and a test. And I didn't do well on either the quiz or the test. And I'm a, I'm a naturally anxious person. So now imagine me at 11 and I got to bring this home to a Haitian house. Yeah. And I'm like, what? It's a whole different world. <laughs> it's, a whole other, it's a whole other experience. And it didn't help that my sixth grade science teacher was like, um, you know, based on this quiz and this test, you're going to have to repeat the sixth grade. And we're a month into school. And I was like, I have to repeat the sixth grade. So for the rest of the day, that was weighing heavy on me. Got home and I'm like boo-hoo crying. And my mom's like, what is going on? What happened? And I said, well, you know, 
I have to repeat the sixth grade. And she's like, it's been a month. <laughs> and I was like, I know, but he says that I'm not going to be able to do it. And she's wow. like, he said, okay. And she's like, first of all, stop crying. <laughs> and second of all, tomorrow we're going to the school. And till this day, it has probably been one of the most defining moments for me as when I think about advocacy. My mother, you know, English is not her first language, but she walked into that school and she requested a meeting with a principal and a teacher. You know, everybody was just kind of like, oh, no, this isn't how it works. Calendars, blah, 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 blah. My mom said I took the day off. She's crying. Yeah. She's still crying. <laughs> it's the next day and she's still crying. And she's not going to be able to sit through class like this. So we need to talk about it today. And, you know, he walked in and he was like this big macho man. And he was like, listen, Rachel's not, you know, maybe she needs to, maybe she needs to, um, go into a different science class. She's not going to be able to, she's not going to be able to understand this and pass the sixth grade. Fighting words. Right. That's fighting mom, words. Mama Bear came out. Right. And my mom was like, excuse me, I'm done talking to you. She was like, is there a prince? Is there a teacher in this school who can teach my daughter science? And literally they were both the principal and the teacher were staring at my mom. Like, what do you mean? And she said, he's already identified that he's not that person, that he can't teach her for whatever reason. And he's not giving her any, any solutions. He just keeps telling her over and over again that she's not going to be able to do it. And I need to know, is there a teacher in the school, in this district, in the state of New York that can teach my child sixth grade science? And... Of course, now, like, it's this whole thing. And they're like, no, that's not what we said. And, da, 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 da. and best believe, every day since, every time I walked into that sixth grade science class, I got reassigned to the front of the class to sit. <laughs> and literally, every time, he's like, are you understanding this, Rachel? I'm like, yes, I get it. And he's like, okay, I love tell your mother <laughs> that you're understanding this, you know. And then we started to see an improvement. Um did that mean I automatically jumped to A's? No, it was a it was a process of okay. Do I need to learn differently? Do I like what is it that I need to do? He had to recognize that okay, Rachel has people in her corner. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be able to just dismiss her and say, "Sorry, you're going to repeat the sixth grade yeah. after a month." Like month you've seen me for 23 days. Thank you kindly, <sighs> you know. And it that happened several times throughout um even even post-secondary shout out to mom trying to come in and regulate on my bachelor's <laughs> thank you mom <laughs> you know but like it's so important and if nothing else it gave me as the child um reassurance that it is important and mm -hmm. that I'm not alone in this and did I have to hear her talk about my grade for what seemed like forever yes but at the core, at the root of that, she didn't just talk about it. She got up. She went to the school and she was like, this little girl, this child of mine, you're going to teach her. And you're going to teach her well. And um, it's just for me, it's been a defining moment in my educational journey. And I always share this with my colleagues, with parents, even at like, you know, community meetings. I'm like, if there's nothing else you can do quote unquote, which there's always something you can do, be present and be um, 
responsive, right? Aware, you know, and I think encourage your children to, to speak to you and to always be able to tell you, you know, I was scared the whole time. I'm like, I have to to get the sign. What? How am I going to explain this to her? And, you know, she could very easily have just been like, you're fooling around in class and this and that. But she knew that, A, she knew her child. And B, she knew that, no, I'm dealing with a um, a system, a, a process that isn't always friendly to children and isn't always friendly to minority children or children who are not, quote unquote, cookie cutter. Mainstream. Mainstream, right. you know, so um, really just. For me, advocacy is just that. It's really being able to always say, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stand in the gap for my child. I'm going to speak for my child. I'm mm-hmm. going to speak for this child, children in general. And it's there are a lot more advocates than we sometimes. When we look at the definition in that aspect, mm-hmm. that, there's a lot of people. That's where your village comes in, right? Yeah, and that, absolutely. You know, and I think that's, and that's what we're trying to create here. I think is just a, a space mm-hmm. where even if you're a parent, you're frustrated, you're overwhelmed. I've been in your shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a system you don't understand. And that, you know, I felt didn't understand me mm-hmm. and kind of where I was coming from as a parent, um, a caregiver of a child and trying to muddle through this. Cause I have to accept that my child right. was given this title or label. Mm-hmm. And then I've got to go through the system of mm-hmm. hoops and I got, you know, cross all my T's and dot all my I's on stuff that I really didn't understand that right. I'm signing away. So like when we talk about that and you were in sixth grade, so mm-hmm. you were able to articulate, right. um, you were, I would say consider probably, probably mainstream, mm-hmm. right. With nothing else going on. And how do you, how do you navigate that though? Even earlier? Like I think right. you would need to, right. You would need to. Absolutely. So like a kid going into kindergarten, pre-K, like what are some of those challenges you think, that those kids are going to probably experience the teachers Mm -hmm. that are going to impact them down the line? Um, I would say primarily from pre-kindergarten to kindergarten, Mm -hmm. for a lot of our families and a lot of our communities, that child may potentially have been with the same child care center from the time that they were like a baby, like Mm -hmm. under like an infant till four or five. And now you're going into like a big, a big kid school. You yeah. Know? You're transitioning into a elementary school setting. And um, that in itself, that transition period for anyone is, is a little stressful. Traumatic now, even. <laughs> right? When you're little and everything seems so big, that can be very, very, very stressful. And um, I know that there are, you know, the, the elementary schools, the school district, a lot of our community agencies are working to create these um, transition to kindergarten activities and programming prior to school opening um, where they kind of do these meet and greets between um, like, you know, meet your teacher and really kind of having an opportunity to start establishing relationships prior to the actual start of school. So we talk about, you know, mm-hmm. the it being a stressful period for everyone, some of our childcare providers are being kind of evaluated, their performance from the previous year is being evaluated by how well the kindergarten children um, are able to test during the first month of kindergarten. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. That's super stressful for some of our our pre-K teachers, and it's super stressful for our kindergarten teachers who are, you know, really, you have had a month, and I don't know what it is about that one month period that everyone feels like. Those 23 days? Yeah, those 23 (laughs) days. You don't see me on the weekends, so it's literally 23 days where you've already determined that, you know, my my timidity, like whatever it is, my, you know, how I interact with the other children, all of that helps to form the, um, I want to say like the reality of how the rest of the year is going to go. We talk about first impressions. That's not any different for a child and a teacher. You know, I was listening to a TED talk where she said, or uh, I can't remember her name right now. Once I think of it, I'll definitely share it. But that, Every teacher needs to be a champion for children. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's life. There are ch- teachers who don't necessarily like the child that they've been assigned. You know, but <laughs> I have, I have, I have comments on that. I have <laughs> you know, comments on I mean, that. And some, I it happens. You know, but when you've committed to being a teacher, to um, taking on that responsibility of being a an advocate for that child, you know. You have to do it. It's mm-hmm. not something that you can decide halfway. All right, I'm done with, I'm done with this child. No, it's it's a, it's a full on responsibility, and that means putting our own biases aside. That means putting on our, our all of our our bad days aside, and mm-hmm. it's really hard to do. Imagine how hard it is for us as adults dealing with other adults. It's really hard to do, and. That's why our teachers are superheroes and they are like, you know, we put so much emphasis on that because it really is hard to do. Yeah. And you know what I'm thinking? I'm going to piggyback off of that. Like, in, when you sign up to be a teacher, mm-hmm. and I think that like we're all human, we all have our personal preferences, opinions, mm-hmm. and thoughts on not just, I think, other individuals, mm-hmm. um, but now you've got a class of maybe depending on where your child is at, 18 to 20-something, right? right? 20 plus. Um, you've got to understand that the same way that you have like your, your thoughts and your feelings, mm-hmm. these, these children are coming from different households right. that have their own thoughts and mm-hmm. feelings on how their kids should be raised and what they should think mm-hmm. and how they should do things. And um, especially if you now have a child who has a development plan or um, special needs, mm-hmm. has an IEP or 504 plan, they've got... Other things going on right. to couple on top of that. And I think that it does require an extra amount of pages. Do I think teachers are underpaid? Absolutely. Grossly, grossly. Absolutely. But do I also think that, like you said, you're signing up for something where you're going to meet a lot of different kids mm-hmm. and a lot of different types of kids. And, and, and you're going to have some creatives thrown in there. And right. if you're signing up for that, like own when you're wrong and, right. and own when you can't handle something. And and understand that the, the same way that you're frustrated and dealing mm-hmm. with that child, their their parent probably is too, but they're holding it in because they're trying to get them to this right mainstream world. Mm-hmm. It's a place of preparedness. Yeah, to, yes. And that's what worries me as a parent is because I've experienced that where they're not patient and, and they're and they've admitted that they're mm-hmm. not patient and they've taken frustration out of my child mm-hmm. who's now I have to deal with not only kind of some of the intricacies of just day to day with them, but on top of that, now there's a fear of going to right. school and they're anxious and on top of everything else, it just, it just doesn't help the situation, mm-hmm. you know, and oh, I get frustrated about no, that. No, absolutely. So. And, you know, 
when we talk about community resources, mm-hmm. like I think Palm Beach County specifically is very fortunate. We have a lot of agencies that are kind of committed to the work. And, um, you know, between 211, um, Children's Services Council, the Early Learning Coalition, Literacy Council of Palm Beach County, we have Home Safe, we have Child Find, we have so many agencies that are continuously having the conversations mm-hmm. about how can we improve um, our, our system of care, how can we, what can we do and how can we do it to really make a difference for these families and you know, families can call 211, they can call um, all these different parent hotlines that mm-hmm. we have to get answers and to get access to a lot of these resources. Um, one of the most challenging things is not knowing where to even begin. Yes. 211, Children's Services Council, ELC. If you Google Palm Beach County and children and the specific resource you're looking for, so many resources will pop up. And in addition to that, you'd be surprised who amongst your village knows someone and can get you plugged in or can get you um, directed in the right path. And, um, you know, are they always the right, you know, when people give advice, it's always, almost always like, I know someone who did this, so do Mm -hmm. this. Absolutely. At the end of the day, you make the decision for your child, but Imagine having a hundred resources to choose from versus three. Yeah. You know, and I would so much rather have way more resources than I think I need than to only have three. Join us for part two of this interview tomorrow.